Passage Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. What's up, what's up, what's up, Bass Edge Nation? That's right, we're ready to rock and roll for this November 1st episode of Bass Edge Radio. Absolutely, and Bass Edge Radio is brought to you none other than by MegaWare Keelguard. MegaWare is the brand of all brands. Numerous options, Kurt, as you well know. I encourage every single person, be sure. It's, it's, it's almost getting to the point where we can't even talk about it, Kurt. You just got to go to the website to see all of the different products and how the ingenuity plus the price point and a reminder that all Bass Edge fans can save 15% by simply entering in that coupon code. Yes, sir. Hey, I got to mention real quick, Aaron, MegaWare getting very, very active on their social programs. So uh, make sure all of Bass Edge Nation, if you've got some time, scroll over to uh, MegaWare's Instagram and Facebook account. They've got uh, lots of great information. They're also doing a lot of uh, tips and techniques as well, Aaron. Um, articles coming out every once in a while about how to catch more fish, which is what we all want to do. You must have read some of those articles, Kurt, because coming off of your U.S. Open finishing number four amongst a, what, 220-boat field? Is that how many it was? Yeah, Yeah, man. You know, I had a great showing. Um, Appreciate the shout-out. I had a great showing at the U.S. Open over on Lake Mead. Uh, We talked a little bit about that last episode. I was uh, on my way, ready to rock and roll and getting ready to um, compete in that event. We got to talk quickly about the event itself. The U.S. Open, iconic Western event. Event and they have that team format. I say team format. It's a shared weight system, and you have a AAA in the boat. You've got a pro in the boat, and you keep five fish, and you shift partners every day. But that weight that you get every day carries you through the event. And yeah, man, I ended up fourth place out there. I had a good showing last year, finished in the 30s for my first time ever. They had a record field. Uh, Billy Egan doing a great job with uh, promoting that event. And it's been going on. I mean, Aaron, you've got iconic winners. Can you name a few of the U.S. Open winners? I can actually. Only a handful, but uh, Rick Klun would be one of them. Aaron Martins would be another one. Am I getting warm there? Yeah. So Mike Folkstad, everybody knows who Mike Folkstad is. Of course, uh, Byron Velvix won it a couple times. John Murray's won it, I think, a few times. Clifford Perch, Bassmaster Elite Series Pro, Western Gurus won it, I think, three times. So, uh, man, it is really is an iconic event out west. And, um, man, I love fishing it. It's just a lot of fun. It's out there on Lake Mead, beautiful desert lake. Several guys from back east went this year. Bradley Hallman I roomed with. And uh, actually, Matt Pangrak from Bass Zone won the AAA side. That was totally awesome. And Matt's a super hammer. He's going to be doing some fun stuff coming up uh, in the next 12 months. So make sure you check him out and what he's got going on. But uh, at any rate, Aaron, it was typical fall fishing. It was standard fall fishing. It was all about the bait. Bub Tosh won the event with uh, a little over 24 pounds for two days. Typically, it's a three-day event, but day one was canceled. I thought Billy made a great call. We had you know sustained winds, 30 miles an hour gusts, 40 to 50. Kind of that big northern blow came through. 
the first day of the uh, competition. So it got pushed to a two-day event. Well, great job. I mean, fourth place amongst a field of that size and of that caliber and talent uh, and only being, you know, two pounds off of winning it. Fantastic. Congratulations. Well, I appreciate it, Aaron. It was great. You know, just to throw in a few tips, you can actually, you can go to, I put all kinds of videos out there on social media, Aaron, and um, KurtDove.Fishing on my Instagram or or the Facebook account. Buzzbait played a big role. Chatterbait played a big role. A flute played a big role. And also a popper played a big role. So those are my key baits. And uh, it was all based on weather conditions, just kind of adjusting with uh, different weather conditions. So, um, man, it was a ton of fun. Typical fall fishing if you haven't been out to the u.s open you got to get out there but Aaron, we've got some more tips coming up right here we're going to move right into our protecttheharvest.com tackle tip stay tuned protecttheharvest.com tackle tip with bass edge host kurt dove Aaron, thank you for that awesome introduction. It's great to be the protecttheharvest.com tackle tip provider for this particular episode. You know, I wanted to share with the listeners the importance of weather and how it affects fall fishing. I noticed this at the U.S. Open just a couple weeks ago. I had a top five finish there. And the first day of the tournament, it was very windy. I was able to get great reaction strikes on a buzz bait and chatter bait. The second day in the first 15 or 20 minutes, I knew that what I had done day one was not going to work on day two because of a conditional change. And that conditional change was wind. It was slick, calm, very flat. So I had to pick up lures that were going to be effective, more lifelike and more natural in that environment where there wasn't the water break up from the wind. Again, first day, I called them on buzz bait, chatter bait. Day two with no wind, I had to move to a popper and a fluke. Those were the key baits that second day when I had no wind. So the tackle tip for the month is be sure you recognize current conditions. What you did the day before is important to understand how the fish are positioned and how you might attack them. But at the same time, it's current weather conditions that are going to play a factor in what lures and techniques work best. Keep that in mind as you head out to the water for your next fall fishing trip. Thanks, Kurt. Great tip. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines.
Aaron, we've got some feedback on our social media platforms and, and a lot of people wondering why the last couple episodes we haven't tackled this MLF Bass FLW big transition, right? Yeah, yeah that's a fair question. You know, I, I think uh, <laughs> we're probably one of the very few that's not really giving it a whole lot of attention. You know, I'll, I'll kind of let you start, Kurt, and then then I'll I'll say my two cents. That way, if uh, if I tick somebody off, we can go to break before, before <laughs> something happens. <laughs> before we start throwing eggs, right, right. So first of all, you know, I, I just want to throw out there that, you know, Bass Edge, we're talking about, you know, new things happening that are going on in the industry, but we're also primarily educational, whether it be product oriented or um, fishing techniques. We're really interested in making people better fishermen. But at the same time, we do want to, I guess, graze different uh, dramas and things that are going on in the industry. Right, Aaron? Yeah. I mean, you know, we're not completely drama free. You know, after all, you are my co-host. So I... uh... (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, here's the dealio. There's a lot of great platforms. You know, we... Live, Ike's always got a good platform with new, innovative, you know, drama-filled things. And then you've got uh, Bass Talk Live on Bass Zone. Great friends of ours over there with uh, Mark Jeffries and Matt Pangrak. And, and uh, then you love- bring in the Bass Blaster. You know, he covers a lot of tidbits from one end of the spectrum to the other, you know, too. That's right. Jay does a fabulous job. And he talks a lot about different baits. And, and a lot of times that's where we go to get some of our information of what we talk about, kind of expanding some of these things here at Bass Edge. But at any rate, yes, huge changes going on in the MLF, Bass, FLW, the whole tournament organization arena. We're going to talk about this a little bit more in, in our interview today with our featured angler here on the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. So we're going to be looking forward to that. But Aaron, what is your overall take with this big organizational shakeup? Well, you know, I've said this before. I was fortunate enough to uh, once again attend the Major League Fishing Sponsor Summit uh, when a lot of this was going down. You know, there is plenty of room in the sandbox for everybody. Competition in business paves the way for a better product for the consumer. We are the consumers of the sport of fishing. And the unique thing, I think you hit the nail on the head, the whole mission of day one from Bass Edge was to help you catch more fish, put more fish in the boat. If you went out on the water under these circumstances based upon what the angler or the person that we're interviewing, whether it's on TV at that point in time or now through the audio, that you could go out and expect the same results. The drama that is kind of centered around this, it's fun, it's exciting because we all are Bass Heads to some respect, but I really think organizations, when they get away from their mission, which ours is education and connecting with our fans through delivering those results, we are in a performance business. And when I grade at the end of the day of how Bass Edge is doing, it's not on the fact of what organization happens to be kind of at the peak at that point in time or popular or in vogue. We like them all. We see a place for all of them. Major League Fishing has definitely caused the bar to race. There is still room for the ASS. That shield means a lot. I think the people that's currently there are stewards of that shield. I think FLW is a completely different business model in the fact that they are a tournament organization versus the media and the entertainment piece. So the real answer is, Kurt, it's too early for us to make a speculation on what's going to happen. Because at the end of the day, that does not affect 
the mission of Bass Edge. We wish them all success, and uh, we look forward to kind of making the ride with them. Yeah, totally agree there, Aaron. I, I do want to add in that, you know, this whole thing is still going to be shaking out. You know, you don't have all of the individuals signed up yet and you know, who's fishing the Elite Series. We kind of know MLF. There's been a few changes even in MLF in the last couple days. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got JT Kenny now is taking a role as a commentator. So now Anthony Gagliardi is going to be fishing MLF. You've got Gary Klaus decided not to fish uh, MLF and, and go to the Elite Series. So now Jeff Sprague is fishing with the MLF and still trying to dial in who's going to be fishing the Elite Series. You know, all three organ FLW specifically, I love the way that they've handled this. You know, some anglers had some concerns, put some things in writing to FLW. They reacted to those concerns in a very positive way. Bass has been, you know, a little bit reactionary compared to what MLF is trying to do because they lost so many anglers. So uh, it's going to be interesting of how that dynamic of revenue really shifts. Is MLF going to take a, a lion's share of the pie? Is Bass going to be able to react to that and kind of set a new precedence on how they do their business with some potential reduced revenues? And and how is FLW, what's their stance going to be going forward? You know, they have a phenomenal grassroots program, the absolute best in the business. And that tends to do very well for companies out there looking to touch those anglers that are really fishing well, it, yeah, every a, weekend. It's so. the McDonald's theory. You know, you sell the yeah. kids a Happy Meal and the adults That's come right. back to buy the other stuff. So The Big Mac or Quarter Pounder. Right? That's right. That's right. So uh, it's been really interesting. And again, we're going to dive into this a little bit more with our featured angler today. And it's just about time to get him on the line, Aaron. We're going to talk to this recent Open Champion. That's right. We've got the Open Champion from your home lake, Aaron, Table Rock, hanging right here on the line. We'll be right back with the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. This is 2018 Bassmaster Elite Angler Chris Crow. This is FLW Cup Co-Angler Champ Brian News. I am Pro Angler Clark Green. This is BASS Angler of the Year Greg Hackney. I am Pro Angler Bill Lowen, and you are locked in to Bass Edge Radio. know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything else other than the original and toughest diy keel protector for your boat megaware keel guard grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology megaware keel guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour providing the longest lasting most dependable keel protection for your boat guaranteed for life developed specifically by boat builders offering the best keel protection in the industry also for megaware keel guard skeg guard flex step pro and pontoon guard so give your boat the performance edge put on the protection the pros pick megaware keel guard this episode's featured angler is a true Westie, one of the few anglers that makes that trek back and forth from the left side to the right side to compete on the national stage. Recently, 2018 Bass Open Championship winner and newly signed MLF angler Jared Littner. Awesome to have you on the show, Jared. Yeah, man. Obviously, I'm a big fan of the show. I've listened to a lot of broadcasts, and I'm happy to be a part of it. Well, uh, wow, Jared. It's great to have you back, and certainly 
Lee, we cannot forget about when we taped together out there in your home state on beautiful Clear Lake. But more importantly, tons going on in your world. And where I want to start selfishly is your open championship win on my home pond of Table Rock Lake. You got to break that down for me, man. Yeah, you know, I still don't kind of believe how it all went down because Table Rock is such a fertile, great bass fishing lake, you know, with the three species that are in there. And, you know, looking at the weather going into it, you know, I was sitting on my couch back at home planning for the event. I thought it was going to be a smash fest, you know, top water, swim baits, you know, the real fall transition time because of the weather that was predicted. And throughout practice, I didn't get that feeling anymore. I spent the first day of practice kind of just running that top water, running that swim bait, back of those long creeks, back of the channel swing, stuff like that. And it just really wasn't happening for me. And I kind of fell back on, you know, what I would do there in the spring, pranking and stuff like that. And what I really noticed was those fish were almost in the right after their summer pattern. They were kind of on those transitions leading off the main points in the main parts of the lake. They weren't as far as long as I thought. And um, I think that threw a lot of guys at a curveball, including myself. And what really kind of shocked me was I was targeting largemouth and I was catching smallmouth. Um, Welcome to Table Rock. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, you know, prior to that, I'd fished a couple of elite series and some riders things and just, you know, did a little fun fishing around there. That was actually my first smallmouth bass I'd ever caught in Table Rock was the first day of practice. Oh, oh my god. I ended up, yeah, ever. 14 smallmouth and one largemouth was what I weighed in. That's so, unbelievable. Yeah, if you would have told me you could win with smallmouth on Table Rock in October, I wouldn't have believed it. I would have lost a lot of money on that down. bet. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it, I was fishing for largemouth. You know, I ended up flipping a three-quarter ounce jig. Like I said, I cranked a lot of them, but in practice, I had a pretty substantial pattern, I thought, flipping a three-quarter ounce jig in isolated cedar trees, and I shook off quite a few bites, but I swung on one in practice as a three-and-a-half-pound largemouth. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if they're all like that, watch it. it. turned out I was flipping smallmouth out of cedar trees. That's insane. Let's talk about that jig pattern a little bit more. You know, obviously your primary weapon being the crankbait, but a three-quarter ounce jig, flipping smallmouth, cedar trees. I mean, was it a deal where it was a depth situation? Because a lot of those fish that in that part of the country, they suspend on those cedar trees, right? So was it the heavy jig that kind of gave you the reaction strike? And when you started yanking brown fish out of there, were you just dumbfounded? (laughs) Because I would have (laughs) been. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it really shocked me. I mean, you know, what I kind of started noticing, like in practice, those fish, they were suspended in those trees. I love flipping mats just because of that, what you said, you know, Kurt, the reaction strike, you know, uh, and I felt like a fast bait, you know, falling down through that water column, through those branches. They either had to eat it or get it out of the way. Right. And that, that was kind of my approach, you know, and, and what I started noticing was those fish started gravitating more towards the bases of those trees. And I guess for whatever reason, I don't know if the largemouth population has declined a little bit or if the smallmouth are so plentiful that they've started to kind of overtake where largemouth live. But I was like, I can't believe these, you know, I mean, they weren't giant smallmouth either. They're like anywhere from a pound and a half to two and a half pound smallmouth. Right. I'm catching on 22 pound shooter <laughs> with a flipping rod, you know, or a three quarter ounce jig and a big old five odd gaff hook. 
I'm like, this is kind of weird, you know. That's awesome. Um, but it worked out. When you say isolated cedar trees, Jared, are you still concentrating in the backs of those longer creeks and pockets? Uh, or, you know, what depth was your boat you setting know what in? I, well, uh, the majority of the fish I caught on both the Franken and the uh, jig were anywhere from, I'd say, 8 all the way out to 18 foot on that jig. Some of those cedars, you know, on some of them bluff ends, as you well know, are kind of on that deeper transitions. And um, I kind of got it narrowed down. If I fished all the way to the back of, say, a, a creek or a little pocket off of the side of a creek, I wouldn't get as many bites as I did the first third. So as bad as I want to fish in the back of the creeks, Kurt knows me well enough to know that, I kind of had to fight those demons off and feel like I'm around more productive water meaning the first third of those creeks. And and some places had a, like a one little group of cedars. Some places had one or two, which was like, if there was only one or two cedars off the side of a slowly, you know, tapering gravel rock bank, it was almost a guaranteed bite. So, you know, I wasn't looking for like a ton of cedars. I was looking for just a few. And that seemed to be the deal kind of like a cluster and i'm assuming with you catching that many smallmouth and by the way i would second your earlier statement i don't know of many high level tournaments if any that 14 of 15 possible bass have been weighed in to win a tournament on table rock lake so that's that's just amazing to me i've I've certainly there's been mixed bags with you know the spots and the largemouth and the smallmouth but that's phenomenal so i'm assuming that since you weighed in 14 of 15 uh, is it safe to say that you were kind of closer to the dam since that's where the higher concentrations of smallmouth seem to be even though they're scattered throughout the lake but is that kind of the area that you were targeting yeah basically well everybody i think knows where indian creek is at sure so Basically, I fished from Long Creek, the 86 Bridge, all the way up to uh, Indian Creek and just kind of stayed in that area. I did run up to Kimberling a little bit, and I caught a couple fish I weighed in up there in, uh, I I believe it's like Schooner Creek or something like that. But most of them, I would say 95% of the fish that I weighed was from uh, Indian Creek all the way back to the 86 Bridge. Well, that's uh, fascinating. You know, this fall transition is often very difficult to pass. And, and break down, you know, like just for instance, you guys heading down there and thinking you're going to do one thing and it turns out you needed to do something completely different. And you you saw lots of anglers with different approaches that did well in the tournament. Strategically, what is kind of the best bet for an angler trying to break down this typically tough time of year as experienced by you? Well, you know, I, I think another big key, and, and this goes across the nation, this time of year, bait is more important than anything else than the structure or whatever when you're around the bait in the fall you're around bass and what i noticed also going back to the backs of those creeks when i got to the backs of those creeks there was very little bait in the section of the lake i was at the bait you know even on those flat sunny days the one day we had those flat and sunny it was just like across the whole as far as i could see there's a little bait dimpling and you got further towards the backs and there wasn't that much bait so i would say fall whether you're at clear lake the delta table rock Florida. If you're around bait in the fall when the water temperatures are dropping, you're going to be around bass. That's the most important thing. Now, whether you catch them on a crankbait or rattle trap, my favorite way is to catch them on a topwater, obviously. Jerk baits, you got to be around the bait. If you're not around the bait, you're not around where the fish are actively feeding. That's the whole deal. 
prime example. I'm going to Shasta for a championship real quick here, and uh, if I don't see bait, I'm not even taking a rod off the deck. If I don't see it on my garments or see a dimple in the water or see some breaking activity, I'm keeping going. You know, a lot of times a year, like in the spring, you're not going to see that. But in the fall, that's when it all goes down. That's when your opportunity to, to really find the mother load is more prevalent. I mean, just finding that bait. That's the most important key thing, I think. So, Jared, based on your experience, you know, you lead me right into my next question. All we hear about in fall is bait fish, bait fish, bait fish. So, in your experience in the fall, what, you know, kind of water temperatures are you looking for? You know, you talked about seeing dimpling, using your graphs. When do these bait fish really start to make these moves? Where are you going to find them? And why are they so important during the fall of the year? The reason they're so important, first of all, is just because the fish, well, not so much in California, but it's the same type of principle because our feeding season is so long. But the water temps from California east get so cold that the fish kind of, they don't feed as much. And I kind of think of it like a hibernating bear, right? They want to eat as much as they possibly can, then just kind of relax for a couple months. They don't feed as often. That And the bait fish, they're coming off the main lake. When the water temps start declining, like a prime example is when I left my boat at Table Rock 18 days before I went back to start pre-fishing, I left it over there after a chateau. The water temp ran out on the lake one afternoon before my flight the water temp was 84 degrees by the end of this tournament it was 65 so it's 18 days it dropped almost 20 degrees and when i was there that afternoon I've seen no bait activity. I've seen a few fish schooling, but the bait that I noticed, they were way out on the thermocline and anywhere from 30 to 35 feet. You know, you see balls of bait on your electronics, stuff like that. Right. And then I was watching the weather, like I said earlier, and the weather was dropping. I'm like, man, this is going to be really good. Well, I mean, immediately right off the bat in practice, I went to a couple areas where I seen, you know, the 18 days prior, I seen those balls of bait and I seen some fish underneath them and stuff like that. And it was like, dead sea bacon gone yeah. i'm like well naturally where's this bait gonna go they're gonna start heading towards the backs of those creeks down the sides of the creek channels so that's what i did i followed from where their summertime ponds are back to where their fall winter transition periods are going to be and it was still not as far as long as i thought it was going to be right but they were just starting i think to make that big push to the backs of those pockets and creeks and rivers sure. so yeah for a guy looking to find bait you know in the fall you know when that water temp you know it varies obviously when it's in the 80s and 90s in some locations and then it starts getting into the mid to low 60s and even lower than that i mean when it gets into the high to mid 50s that bait will be in the backs of every creek and pocket and, and the fish go you know so yeah. you just kind of yeah you kind of start from where they some are at like out there like on table rock i assume they they're on those deep channel swings or deep trees on flat points and you know main lake type stuff then they're going to filter back in so you just kind of start from where they were use your electronics and your eyeballs to watch for schooling activity or bait dimpling and follow that back to the creeks and the channel swings and find stopping points whether it's like at Table Rock is cedar trees or it could be docks or, you know, Clear Lake. It's dying grass. You know, I mean, it's all kind of different, but there's, it's the same throughout the country. Process. It's just different. Yes. 
exactly. Awesome. Well, hey, Jim, man, those are great tips. I'm sure Bass Edge Nation is going to be able to use those here in the coming weeks. But as advertised, we're going to take a short break. Power pulling down right here. Jared Littner is going to be back. We're going to talk to Jared about his choice to fish MLF in 2019. Hang tight right here. Bass Edge Radio will return. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio, presented in part by Lowrance Electronics, returns with 2018 BASS Open Champion Jared Littner in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil High Performance Marine Products, outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements. Be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping. It works. Jared, we haven't talked about this a whole lot. We kind of tapped into it in our opening segment in this episode, but talking about Major League Fishing, BASS, FLW, obviously, you know, shakeups going on with where anglers are fishing, organizational platforms that are going to be coming in the following years. Jared, you've been uh, invited to fish the Major League Fishing format 2019, a three-year commitment. How tough was the decision? What ultimately made up your mind to go that route? Yeah. It was a super, super tough decision, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, there's a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of going back and forth. And ultimately, what it came down to was, you know, the growth of the non-endemics in the sport and having a career once your tournament fishing is done, meaning competing in the events. So ultimately, for my personal sponsors and for obtaining new sponsors and moving forward and be able to retire and not have to go out in the weather and and all the conditions when you're 60 years old and still be prevalent and have a good retirement fund at the end of all that was the factor why I decided to fish MLF. Saying that, BASS, you know, I mentioned it on on the stage the other day at the Open, I wouldn't be talking to you guys if it wouldn't been for the Bassmaster Opens and when I got out of high school because as I started spot fishing those the last year they were in the western division of the opens I got the elite series invite and here I am today so BASS has obviously a special place in my heart as well as many other anglers and it was nothing against bass or anything like that it was more a business type of decision it's an exciting kind of like what you said exciting time I think it's really good for all the anglers no matter what circuit you're fishing even the main it doesn't matter the growth of the sport and what this is going to do for all the sponsors the anglers the organizations in the long run i think we're going to look back at 2018 and go wow i was a part of that because i think ultimately it's going to put bass fishing on the map globally i'm excited about it but also i'm a little nervous about it kurt i know that you've fished the mlf for several years it's a different format i've been trained to catch the five biggest ones and do that kind of format and now i'm going into something that i've never participated in and so yeah i'm kind of nervously have high expectations (laughs) well if you had a crystal ball jared where do you see mlf bass and flw in the next say four to five years like i mentioned i think everybody's gonna elevate i think you know bass is going to be bass. They have such an imprint on the sport of bass fishing that they're still going to have the Bassmaster Classic, which is the biggest, best thing there's ever been. 
MLF, I think, is going to be, you know, it's going to continue to grow. I mean, I remember when it first started and I seen it on TV, I'm like, what is this deal? And uh, now it's, I'll give you a perfect example. I was at my kid's high school bass club meeting and everybody wanted to know why I'm not fishing MLF. These are kids that are 15, 16 years old. So the demographics that they are reaching through television and stuff is going to bring bass fishing to heights it's never been. And then FLW, you know, it's another long-lasted, tried and tested organization that's going to be around forever. I mean, whatever you want to fish, I think between those three organizations has something to offer that's special to every angler across the country. And like I mentioned, I think it's just going to get better and better and better. Jared, I couldn't agree more. I think one of the key statements you made right there is that every platform offers an angler something a little bit different. And, you know, what's right for someone that's fishing FLW right now might not be right for them fishing MLF and what's right for somebody fishing the elite series might not be right for fishing FLW or vice versa. You know, there's a lot of platforms that we can all take an advantage of. And I think certainly there is an essence of we're betting on the growth of the sport through MLF. And, and we all hope that that happens and to be able to take that leap of faith for 80 guys, I think is really important and a, uh, a worthy cause for everything that's happening. Cause Bass and FLW has been around so many years, but um, taking that leap of faith, I think is it's a great process. It's good for the sport. It's going to be interesting to watch. I don't think there's anything in concrete on what exactly is going to happen, but uh, over the next three to five years, we're, we're definitely going to see a different landscape in the world of professional bass fishing and tournament organizations and um, watching this all play out. It's going to be real exciting. Um, some of the rumblings from organizers, other anglers, you know, I know that there's been a lot of talk between anglers about, hey, what are you going to do? What do you think? You know, how's this going to go? Platforms of tournament fishing, as we know, in 2018 are going to start changing drastically, whether it's payouts, types of events with MLF and the tournament series. Bass, you know, has started to do many things over the last couple of years with classic bracket and different types of formats with the Texas Fest. FLW now removing co-anglers, kind of getting into the shift of what Bass had done, you know five or six years ago. Like I say, there's going to be a lot of changes. Where do you see, again, I'm asking you to look forward here, maybe three, four, five years. Is the whole platform going to adjust or do you feel like maybe you fish MLF, you decide, well, you know, catching a lot of fish isn't your thing. You like to go catch just a few big fish. Are you going to see guys shift back and forth from one organization to another? I think there might be, Kurt. I think that could definitely happen, you know, because it's hard for some people to transition into a different set of rules and or platforms. Me personally, I don't think I would just because I don't deal with change very well, whether it's moving a house or whatever it may be. And for me to do this and then have to change again, I, I don't think I would do that. Um, right. Man, like you said, it's kind of a leap of faith and we are all kind of, you know, in this together. But I think, you know, ultimately there will be, you know, some flip-flopping around here after a couple of years. And, and uh, like you said, who knows what's going to happen? You know, I remember when I first started bass fishing, and, and you're probably the same way, we're about the same age, you didn't have a lot of options. There was a couple circuits you could fish. Right. They all had the same format and the same, you know, five fish, different venues, obviously. Other than that, everything was the same. Now, like you're saying, we got live and we got 
the MLF format, and we got the traditional, and then we got some that are, you know, a big fish, like the Sealy's Big Bass deal that was at Rayburn. I mean, there's so many different ways to get involved in tournament fishing now. Guys have a lot of options, and I think that's a great thing for an angler. So it's an exciting time to be involved in it. Whereas, like I said, when we grew up, there was one option. You either fish that format or you don't, and that's it. So, you know, for my kids growing up, like I got an 11-year-old, and he's big into baseball, but he's always wanting to fish too. Who knows when he's 21, 22, 10 years from now, the sport might be elevated in such a manner that he's like, man, why would I want to be a baseball player when I could be on major broadcast television fishing and yeah. doing what I love and, and making a really good career, you know? So it's going to be really neat to see what transpires in the next five to 10 years, even beyond then. And, and right. I think for the, our younger generation, you know, all the YouTube stuff and all the social media and, and all these blogs and all this stuff has elevated the sport and, Man, the future is, who knows what's going to happen, but I, I, I see it all being really productive for anglers and for sponsors and for the whole bass fishing tackle community. I mean, you're bringing in people into the sport that are going to buy lures and buy fishing tackle and rods and reels and line and boats and motors that maybe would have never even known what those things are. I mean, right. how many times you pull up to a gas station in the past four or five years and guys are like, what is that thing on the back of yeah, your Yeah, the power poles, sure. Well, yeah, how does that work? And now people are getting more educated about that. So it's just a really exciting time, and, and I think, like I said, you know, the future is going to be really bright. You bet, man. Jared, all great points, man. I really appreciate you being so candid with those questions. And we're going to be candid with a question. <laughs> we got a great listener question that we got in. This segment is brought to us by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Will Price sent in this listener questioner, Jared. During the late summer throughout fall, I can easily find schooling spotted bass busting on shad in my home lake. However, I can only catch the small ones. I throw several different topwaters, jerk baits. It's getting frustrating after catching 29 keepers and nothing over a pound. How can I entice the larger bass to bite? There's a couple ways to think about that. I'm going to go back to Shasta because exactly what he's talking about happens at Shasta. There's two ways to approach that because I know exactly what he's saying. Shasta, there's a ton of spotted bass between 12 ounces to a pound and a half. Tons like billions and then there's these also those bigger ones that everybody wants to catch and there's two different ways you can approach that within the same school actually so he's saying you're throwing top water bait and you know things like that what i've kind of got away from is matching the hatch that time of year so i'm throwing bigger top water baits like the big 10 inch punker a super spook in my opinion is too small so i want to throw a big bait whether it's a big top water bait a big glide bait i'm talking like an eight to ten 11 inch bait a lot of those smaller spots are going to leave that alone and those big ones will come and get it now on the other hand a lot of times what happens is those smaller spots are going to be the more active ones so in, in that case i'll also have like a demiki like a blade bait i'm sure kurt you know shoot i forget the name of like it. the uh, so like, yeah but it, it doesn't have a spin uh, spinner on it it's okay. a demiki bait that I, I throw a three-quarter ounce it's like a blade bait so i put on a heavy blade bait or uh, 
um, a heavy tailspin, like you said. Oh, you mean like a silver buddy, out. like a silver buddy, yeah, old school? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I got. You. They call them a cicada yeah. too. I think another yeah. company calls yeah, them cicada. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Or like you said, a tailspin, or even on occasions when the weather's right, I'll throw out a one ounce spinner bait. Gotcha. And what you're doing is you make a long cast. You get below because that bait is falling so fast, and it's a little bigger than what they're feeding on. You get below those smaller schoolies, and the bigger ones, usually they're lazier. Those big fat ones are lazier, and so they're just eating the stuff that the little ones are injuring or knocking around. And a lot of times I've caught some really good spots fishing over 100 foot, but I'm fishing below those active smaller schools of those you know smaller non-keeper spots. So there's two different ways. Usually what I'll do is start off, like I said, with that big glide bait or a big walking bait and see if I can get them to fire off on that. And if that's not happening, I'll go below them. That's uh, fantastic information, Jared, and such a great response for Will. I appreciate you tackling that question. And Will, uh, we need one more thing from you, and you can do that either through any of our social media platforms. Send us an email at support at BassEdge.com or simply log on to BassEdge.com. Click the Claim Your Prize segment and uh, let us know that you heard Jared answer your question here on the show and we will get out the Bass Edge gift sent directly to your house. And continued reminder to Bass Edge listeners, keep sending in those questions to the show via our social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages, or you can just shoot us a quick email, support at BassEdge.com. Also, don't forget, you can do that by logging into the website, BassEdge.com, and just click on the Ask a Pro tab. Well, Jared, as always, certainly insightful information, both on catching more fish and then also just kind of looking down field as far as what our famous sport uh, soon to be more famous now I think with like you mentioned with all the platforms that anglers have to pick from I also want to remind Bass Edge Nation that they can watch you back on uh, and I think I said Clear Lake actually I think you and I fished the Delta back in the day but the that Delta, was, yeah. yeah that was back on Bass Edge season two DVDs that are available there on the BassEdge.com store I think for a whole five bucks so anyway before we let you go <laughs> yeah, uh, if you want to see what Jared looked like and Aaron looked like back in the day that is sweet gig <laughs> that's right that's right uh, the tips are all the same they that's still right. catch fish they do jared you got any final thoughts for the listeners you know um just to reiterate you know this whole shakeup in the industry overall if you're a bass fisherman it's a really exciting time and i think it's going to be great for the anglers and everybody involved from boat manufacturers to tackle to everything and so change is is sometimes hard to deal with but it's going to be eventually it's going to be a really really positive good thing so for sure i'm excited about it i finally get to go home too so i'm pretty pumped on that <laughs> right, right, and right. uh i got i got right. one more thing i'm gonna send you off with our final segment four last questions for you how many miles a year do you drive well 10 days before i left to start the elite series i bought a brand new truck right okay at that point it had 11 miles on this truck <laughs> Okay. Right now, I am in Conway, Texas, so I still have about 1,300 miles to go home. Okay. Right now, my truck has 31,240 oh, miles. Nice. Nice. Got to love the so, so I take so it. I, I take it you don't, don't lease your truck. No, I don't. <laughs> you know, so I've been gone since uh, January 17th. 35,000. Yeah. It's going to yep. be about 35K. Yep. All right, so so here's the backup to that because I know you fly back and forth also. How many miles a year do you fly? Shoot, man, I don't know. I'd, 
He's platinum I'd status. Say, platinum status. I'd probably say close to 50. 50 I mean, K flying, 35 K driving. That's, that's some solid yeah. travel time. Okay. That's great information for those folks out there that don't know that one tournament, if you could fish one tournament and you can pick it, you pick to fish one tournament, no matter what it is every year, what tournament do you choose to fish? One tournament every year. Let me think. It can be um, any tournament. It can be the FLW Cup. It can be the Classic. It can be U.S. Yeah. Open. It can be the, the Shasta Championship you're going to. Well, you got one tournament you can choose to fish every year. Which one is it? Can could I be the M- MLF <laughs> World Championship, right? Whether that's on CBS now, right? Yeah, that would be really, really special. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Uh, just because it, you know, yep. But I'll give you one that I'd make up to supersede everything that I've ever could possibly dream of. Okay. Would be the MLF World Championship or the Bassmaster Classic at Clear Lake in <laughs> <Yeah>. the fall. <laughs> awesome. That would be that, sweet. That would be my dream of all dreams. Okay, and this leads me into the final question. One lake to fish the rest of your life. Oh, man. I would say Clear Lake, um, even though it's smaller, but it's it's so special to me, you know, um, that I would have to say that with the St. Lawrence River, Thousand Islands area being a close second, because I feel like a guy could never learn as much in your lifetime fishing there every day. I guarantee you there's bass up there that have never seen a lure in their entire existence. That's cool. I mean, the, the place is massive. It's got so many big fish and man, that'd be tough. I mean, the, the reason for Clear Lake, is because I could fish it year round up there at Thousand right. Islands. You could fish. I think right. they got a season closed for six months, and plus it's icy and cold, and I don't like dealing with that. <laughs> yeah. What's interesting is the fish up there. They can live in six inches or a foot of water, or they'll be as deep as like sixty feet. I mean, they're freaking insane. They're they're just swimming all over the place in that place. So they are crazy in there. Yeah, there's no telling. Large mouth, small mouth. I mean, when I was up there this last season on the Elite Series, I caught two musky. You know, obviously the pike, the walleye. I mean, if you're out there fishing on the St. Lawrence River, you're going to get bit by something. I mean, right, it's right. just, that's the way it is. It might be a mosquito, but you're still going to get a bite. <laughs> There's but, a lot of those up there, too. Hey, yeah, Jared, man, yeah. it's been a great interview. Super appreciate you spending time here with Bass Edge. Congratulations on your 2019 Classic qualification. And, uh, man, wishing you the best on the new BPT events next year. Man, it's going to be an exciting year to watch. Bass Edge Radio will return right after this message. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Powerpole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift. 
PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to eight feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Another exciting interview. Great to catch up with our long-term Bass Edge friend, Jared Littner. And I uh, specifically like the conversation because we hit not only my home lake of Table Rock and learned a tremendous amount of how he was able to put the winning pattern together. But also, I I just really felt like he had some really good insight on uh, kind of the future of fishing and so far what Major League Fishing has meant to him and why he made his decisions. But it tags on to exactly what we started off the episode with of you and I's banter. Yeah, no doubt. It's uh, great to see Jerry be able to fish his maybe last classic in a while. He's going to be fishing MLF. I'm sure he was happy to kind of get that going with that table rock win. As far as the fishing and table rock and fall fishing, again, I want to reiterate quickly how important it is to keep an open mind. You know, we have some preconceived notions. Jared had some preconceived notions. He was able to adjust that based on conditions that he saw on the water and then dial in a pattern. That's so important to do, especially in the fall time of year. Again, I've talked about this a little bit before, but in the spring and in the fall, I think we want to hurry the fish up. And it really takes time for these transition of behavioral patterns to develop, whether it's in the spring or in the fall. And, you know, that was the case, you know, here with this table rock pattern, a little bit of the case as well at the U.S. Open. So, um, Always important to keep an open mind and really assess the conditions on the water as you're fishing. Secondarily, with the uh, new organizations and Jared talking about his decision, it's going to be an interesting, and we've said this a thousand times, and and really we haven't said it a whole lot here at Bass Edge, but we wanted to break it down one time. And who better than Jared, who's taken the plunge, fished bass for a long time. You know, FLW is kind of a mainstay out west as well. So great to hear his perspective and kind of talk about where this whole thing is leading us unknowingly, but uh, certainly fun just to uh, dream of the aspects that we have maybe some Cokes and Pepsis and Home Depots and a lot of, you know, Fortune 500 companies supporting the sport potentially of bass fishing to raise the bar to a whole nother level. Yeah, no doubt. And I am going to take some of your advice and assess the conditions. And my assessment is we need to shut her down. So uh, for Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin and we wish you a wonderful couple weeks of early November as we get closer and closer to Thanksgiving and eventually that Christmas shopping season. In the meantime, hopefully you can get out on the water or maybe in a tree stand. Be safe. We'll talk to you soon right here on Bass Edge Radio. Edge is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge, brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.